The Bank of England has kept things on hold. They are still worried about jobs. Actually, having reliable data is part of the problem. Uh, They have revised the UK's growth forecast to not grow at all next year. So not so happy days. But what about the United States? Non-farm payrolls is out tonight, including wages data, of course. The Fed is keen to point out that they've not necessarily done with rate rises yet. Although that's not what the bond market is telling us right now. It's Friday, the 3rd of November, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, quite big falls in bond yields today, including a 12 basis point drop in 10-year gilts in the UK after the Bank of England. Down five basis points in Germany, 10-year treasuries, uh, they're seven basis points lower. Australian 10-year yields fell 16 basis points yesterday, down to 4.79%. This morning on futures, another six basis points lower than that. So there's a common direction here, isn't there? And it's down for bond yields. Uh, Quite a fall in the US dollar as well. It's down 0.7% on the DXY, with the Aussie up 0.6% to 64.3%. US cents, the pound up a third of 1%. US stocks quite a bit higher, 1.7% for the Dow at close, 1.8% up for the NASDAQ, 1.9% for the S&P in Europe. The Eurostoxx 50 closed up 1.9%, the FTSE 100 up 1.4%, and oil rising again, 2.5% for Brent and WTI, Brent heading back towards 87 a barrel. So who is it who joins me today? It's Ken Crompton from NAB in Sydney, uh, which is good because we want to talk about yields. Here's our yields man, and yields are heading down just about everywhere, including quite a fall in 30-year treasuries as well today. But at 10 years, I mean, can we forget 5%? I mean, is bond buying now back in fashion, Ken? Yeah, it's a bit of a sea of green across every screen I'm looking at this morning, um, yeah, whether that be um, oil equities or, or bonds. Um, certainly, in the short term, at least, bond buying is back. I mean, there was sort of a bit of commentary about sort of dovish takes on the FOMC press conference and stuff yesterday, just as as markets sort of continued to digest that. I think particularly um, Fed Chair Powell's apparent pushback a little bit on that last uh, dot that implies they are likely to hike in December got, got, got a bit of got a bit of attention. But I think I mean there, there's also just sort of flow and technical aspects I think you can point to as well. Um, yeah, the pace of the run up in yields in the lead up to the meeting, or at least through October, was was very significant. And you know, to what extent is this a fundamental repricing or consideration? The Fed might be definitively done and cutting versus what is just a bit of a fairly typical sort of consolidation after a big sell-off. I'm still inclined to be more wary of it being the latter outcome, that it's just a bit of a technical technical pullback. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see yields, you know, back closer to five at, at some point before we end this cycle than it will be to see them, you know, well through four and a half, for example. Well, it was pretty balanced yesterday, wasn't it? We came out really not with any clear idea about, you know, where the Fed is going next. Uh, similarly, I mean, with the Bank of England. So 10-year gilts uh, taking one of the biggest uh, yield hits today after the Bank of England. They've kept the bank rate at five and a quarter percent, not a unanimous vote, six on hold. Three wanted to see a rise. Uh, so yeah, a bit of a reaction considering that's almost exactly what we expected, although perhaps we might have thought that more people would vote for a, for a hold than actually did in the end. Yeah, there was, um, there was, I guess, a few, a few expectations that that may have been the outcome. I mean, you look 12-point move in gilts, a little bit of move at the front end, I think, um, in terms of where market reaction landed. Um, the, the, the most notable outcome, I guess, being a slight increase in pricing of rate cuts for the BOE, which, you know, which, which makes, which is sort of the natural market reaction if things are going to be done. Um, I didn't sort of read sort of too much change either way in any of the, in any of the statement. I mean, 
as we had been as we, as we had been flagging, a lot of emphasis in there on the unreliability of the official labour force statistics in the UK, which uh, which is something yourself and and, and Gavin have, have talked about a bit. But um, the fact that got such prominent mention in the BOE's discussion that, that that's probably the most hawkish thing, most dovish thing you could take. Yeah, yeah. It, the p- problem is, even if they know that someone's not working, they actually don't know whether they're not working because they don't want to work or whether they're looking for work. That is the problem. But the o- Office of National Statistics is saying that they are back at knocking on doors. So they're going to get it sorted out, but it's going to take a few months. A few months right now, uh, sort of working blindfold is a bit of a problem, isn't it, for the Bank of England? Although they do say, you know, they use lots of other indicators and by any measure, uh, wage growth is at odds with meeting the inflation target is what Andrew Bailey said today. Yeah, and those inflation forecasts did see a few changes today. I mean, we're now talking about a shade under 2% for, for two years' time. So, you know, the fact that that is, you know, that's within the target is, I guess, somewhat comforting, but still, you know, two years is a, is, is a fairly decent horizon before you're expecting to get there. And, um, you know, you compare that to the, you know, the RBA's obviously got a similar profile here in Australia, and that's, you know, causing them a little bit of nervousness still as well. So, you know, it's hardly a... Yeah, I don't think we should be expecting dramatic turns from the from the BOE any any time soon, even with this. Well, no, particularly when the uh, the economy is so soft. So they are now forecasting what 0.1 percent growth in the final quarter of this year, zero percent growth for the for the, for the whole of next year. So pretty much in the doldrums. Yeah. Yep, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. And the Norge Bank uh, also on hold uh, yesterday, four and a quarter percent, but they may be heading for another one. The statement said that you know this is going to give them time to assess whether there is a need to do more. But I mean, their headline inflation rate is down to three point three percent compared to what six point seven percent in the UK. Yeah, well, look, I think as the Fed is sort of saying, you, you you've got to maintain a bit a bit of mm. verbal, verbal pressure on markets, otherwise you lose some of your lose some of your gains and markets ahead of you on pricing the downside. So I think the it's all the is that what you're saying? in that camp as well. I mean, like, like the RBA, you know, they're, they're potentially peaking relatively low, of course, starting from a low yeah. point being in Europe as well. So, All right. So it's interesting, interesting isn't it? We've got there. this uh, all this optimism around today. I mean, US shares still rising. I mean, they were stalling a week ago because, you know, forward projections from earnings results weren't looking great. At least we assume that's what was happening. That's why it was happening. I mean, that has obviously changed. And results, are, you know, continue to be strong. So Qualcomm, uh, was a win, uh, almost 8.7 billion in revenue uh, against a forecast of 8.5 billion. Their share price is up 5.5 percent today, but that's chips, of course. You know that is very much flavour of the month. Uh, we'll find out what Apple is doing uh, pretty soon. But I wonder how uh, reactionary equities are going to be to any tightening in the labour market tonight. We're getting non-farm payrolls, obviously, in the United States. Although the the signs seem to be suggesting weakening, don't they? So initial jobless claims uh, out overnight in the US were up uh, on uh, last time. Productivity was up as well in the US. So this is exactly what the Fed would like to see, isn't it? Fewer people doing more, so long as they don't ruin it by asking for more money. Uh, but we've also got factory orders up as well. So put them all together. These are signs for a soft landing, aren't they? At least for well, today. Well, I guess the good news on productivity is that if people are doing a lot more, they can afford to. You, you can afford to pay them a little bit more in order to um, in, in order to get that. So, I mean, the productivity numbers that came out last night um, unexpectedly unexpectedly strong. So it points to you know cheaper unit you know, labour costs, which does allow for you know a great greater wage gains for for a given level of inflation. Um, as the Fed, I guess, has kind of been hoping for. The, the difficulty is with this data in the short term, it's incredibly incredibly volatile, subject to you know a constant stream of revisions. So it's a bit hard to hang too much off you know one of these 
quarterly numbers, but certainly it, it probably plays into a into a Fed friendly narrative in in that sense. Um, yeah, looking at the payroll, sorry, payrolls, jobless claims last night. Yep, slight increase once again. You're know, getting back to a, a little bit above 200, but hardly a yeah, hardly a massive um, trend in train there at the moment. And then, of course, the the main indicator really is uh, is non-farm payrolls tonight. It's been an unusual lead up to a payroll sprint given all the central bank meetings and a few other major data releases normally we're sitting here pondering payrolls for three or four days before it comes out this time all week absolutely yeah and yeah, yeah it's, sort it's of barely been talked us. about till but, uh, yeah exactly but i mean maybe it's a good thing that you know we, we haven't had to dwell on it quite so much but i wonder whether with it so soon after the fed whether actually it really matters too much unless it's a you know an, an alarming figure in one direction or, or the other but which you know these things tend to be fairly incremental don't they and there's a lot to go before the next fed meeting so i wonder whether it's really going to move markets too much yeah i mean um i think 180k is consensus um for, for non-farm payrolls change and unemployment rate supposed to is expected to be steady at 3.8 so the, there's no sort of that that growth in employment relative to last month is a big change, but certainly you know, unemployment's not expected to move much. Um, average hourly earnings, I think, are expected to tick up slightly in the, in the month-on-month numbers, but, um, yeah, certainly yeah, the market has been looking elsewhere and there's been bigger bigger fish to, to fry in terms of movements in, in bond markets, at least. So it'll potentially move things if it's, a, if it's another strong number. That's when you're going to see that scenario of the market thinking, gee, maybe we should be back closer to five for Treasuries again. But... Um, but, but with a with a thirty point bond rally having gone through relatively recently, um, I do wonder yeah, whether whether a soft print could do too much. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, locally, home loans month on month yesterday down zero point one percent against an expectation of a one point two percent rise. Investment lending was up though, and uh, Core Logic reckon this week it's going to be the busiest uh, for auctions in Sydney in eighteen months. Not so in Melbourne. Uh, you know, this week or next week, obviously next week they're going to be too busy thinking about horses. Uh, but also, uh, today we get more on Australia's retail sales. So we get the X inflation number. So we saw that strength, uh, uh, we saw that number earlier in the week. Uh, but today we'll actually see what the volumes are. Yes, I think that, that'll be sort of an interesting roundup to the numbers. And that, and that gives you a, gives, gives you an input into, um, in, into actual yeah, real numbers it's talking about. I think the consensus is sitting around minus 0.3. That's actually a slight pickup from last quarter, but still, you know, still down. I think on the um, some of the trade balance and home loans data we got yesterday, you know, you mentioned sort of the split between owner-occupier and investor loans, which are growing much faster. Um, interestingly, you're seeing a tick up in both loan volumes and loan size. So even though, you know, affordability should be getting constrained a little bit by rate increases, people who are buying houses are borrowing a little bit more than they um, than they have been in recent months. I think the lowest point was um, it was eight point three in terms of um, new loan values. So things are ticking up. Where are they keeping all this money? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so balance of trade. You mentioned that. So uh, th- th- that is uh, we had a quite a fall mainly because there's a big rise in imports and a lot of that imports. It wasn't consumer consumption, was it? It was capital goods. I mean, I th- I'm not. I think there was very little movement actually in consumer uh, 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 purchases, but capital good imports. Up month on month, twenty three percent. I think a big chunk of this was big trucks for mining companies, wasn't it? Yes, that that seems to be it. Yeah, the industrial transport sector moving seventy four percent, I think, or or something like that over the quarter. Um, yeah, 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 on a quarterly basis. Yeah, and we have seen some um, some some headlines around some of the mines in WA, you know, trialing you know electric haul trucks and that sort of stuff. So m- maybe it's some imports there, but yeah, a very lumpy category. Obviously, a few trucks can move can move those numbers quite a bit. And then, you know, even on the good side, you know, 
nominally saw a, you know, a collapse in exports, but that was just a, a reversal of some big non-monetary gold exports that went through last month. So, right. yeah, sort of right. nothing that's changed in the dial too much in the, in the trade balance. And a bit of news from Japan after the uh, decision earlier in the week to loosen the grip on bond yields, uh, that 1%'s become a bit more of a movable feast now, hasn't it? Although it hasn't been challenged, has it? I don't think it's got up to that level. It's at 0.94% this morning. Uh, but the Prime Minister has announced a stimulus package to help households suffering with the impacts of inflation. So 17 trillion uh, yen, uh, which presumably is going to require issuance of more bonds. So, uh, but, you know, there's always going to be demand, isn't there? For, I mean, even if it's from the Bank of Japan. So does this change too much? Does it affect the bond market at all? Does it, uh, I mean, is there an inflation fear if they're flooding the market with uh, with extra money? I mean, what, there's been very little market reaction to this, it seems, today. Yeah, I think um, most of that sort of seemed to be released sort of in the, in the evening Australian time. So, I mean, in over the course of this week, yep, 10-year JGBs have tested i think they've been up sort of around 0.975 i think may have been the may have been the peak yeah the bodge has conducted some some sort of extraordinary or, or some nimble buying operations as, as i think they're calling them or nimble or agile I'm not sure which is their um how they're describing them but they did they have done some of those um yeah jgb yields haven't haven't run away um yeah to the extent that um yeah i, I don't think the supply impact of um, anything in this fiscal stimulus package that was announced yesterday or, or last night is going to be meaningful for the market. Really, it's going to be um, yeah, the the chief um, the, the chief driving force for demand in the market is is the BOJ, and I guess people are still waiting to see exactly what this one percent as a reference rate means, as opposed to one percent as a as a hard limit. Yeah, the market hasn't gone through that yet. I suspect that um, yeah, they, they may find some buying operations come out if they do try to go through. Um, but, you know, just even just looking at numbers of where supply and demand are sitting, you know, um, yeah, the bodge is still buying more more, um, yeah, more JGBs and are being issued in, in quite, um, in quite yeah. big chunks of the market. So yeah. one other thing to consider too is that, um, you yeah, massive falls in the value of, of JGBs, you know, are a bit of a challenge as well. You know, there were some reports out yesterday from the GPIF, you know, the, the largest pension fund in Japan, pointing to uh, to quarterly losses there in in large part, or at least in some part, due to rises in, in JGB yields. So there's, um, you know, so there's sort of broader factors to consider purely beyond um, monetary policy. You know, that's if the board is keeping those sort of factors in mind. Like what happened with their pension funds in the UK with the Liz Trust budget happening all over again, it seems. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, look, aside from non-farm payrolls, uh, there's the Kaishin Services PMI, uh, Europe's unemployment number, but um, we can't take in too much more information, I think, because our heads are going to explode. <laughs> uh, so we'll leave it there for now and we'll wait and see what happens with non-farm payrolls later on today. Good to talk. Catch you soon, Jeez, Ken. Thanks, Phil. And later today, it's the Morning Call Weekend Edition. NAB board member, Queensland University of Technology Chancellor, former head of Cunard Cruises, and Sherry is my guest on the Weekend Edition this week with some advice for business managers and for investors. Uh, you know, most companies now report on their surveys from their staff and their customer scores as well. I'm, I'm always surprised how little attention, maybe it's not understood that well, but how little attention is paid to those metrics. If you're a manager, you might be studying those numbers hard. But if you are an investor, are you ignoring those forward indicators? That is Anne Sherry in the weekend edition from mid-afternoon today at the same place where you get this podcast. Join me for that and have a great weekend. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Catch you soon.